Hairbring Comedy Presents! Over the past two decades, I have worked with artists of varying genres. Music, comedy, theater, dance, and more. It has been my observation that while each has its own systems and specificities, they are all relative. Art itself is relative to the observer. As the audience, our appreciation is influenced by our individual perspectives. For artists themselves, motivations and measures of success are just as conditional. In this series, I will be speaking with working class entertainers and artists. We will highlight the unique aspects of their crafts while, hopefully, proving my theory that it is all pretty much the same at their roots. My name is Isaac Landford, and this is The Art of Relativity. Today I'm sitting with Justin Akeem Trapp, who, uh, where are you living right now? Um, New Ashford, Massachusetts. So it's like the western side of Massachusetts, like about 15, actually about 20 minutes away from uh, Vermont. Okay, cool, cool. What, uh, how long you been there? Man, it's coming up on three years, if you can believe it. Damn, yeah, okay. And what was the impetus for that move? Uh, my fiance at the time uh, got a job at Williams College, okay. which is a, um, what is it? It's a private liberal arts college. Right. Um, it's like, it's like the stuff you see on like 80s movies, you know, like Buffy <laughs> and kind of thing. Like they got yeah. their own personal private tennis courts. That's what it's like. And so she got a job out here. I followed her and uh, we got married in 2019. Yeah, right on. So I've known you to be, and I might be missing things here, but in the, in the time that I've known you, I've known you to be an MC, a, uh, a show promoter, a ceramics artist. And uh, we met, you were a bar back when we met at the White Rabbit Cabaret. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to the White Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you, is ceramics, are you doing that like rocking right now? Is that, that what you're focusing on? It's yeah, it's my main field of work right now. Um, I've not been really able to produce a whole lot of work because of the nature of the job job. So I'm around ceramics all the fucking time, but yeah. like I don't get as much as I uh, would like to. Uh, but that's what I went to college for, or one of the reasons why I went to college. It was uh, my second major that I picked up after um, doing it as an elective when I was going to hair and school of art. Okay. What was the other major? photography okay did yeah, you finish that one too yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay. i did uh photography and ceramics with an art history minor oh, okay cool i the hair and art school is cool because i've known several people that have gone there and they've come out with an art degree that actually like translated into viable work options which is cool because that you can't say that for a lot of art degrees <laughs> Yeah, um, I know a lot of people who like continued in art and I know a lot of people who graduated and did not continue in art. And I can see both sides of it equally. You know, um, yeah. a lot of this stuff is like, you know, job wise, job pools are like drying up. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But then like, I don't know, for me personally, it was like, well, I know I don't want to like sit in an office, even though sometimes I have, but it was like, you know, um, it was an excuse to like give myself uh, you know, that space to not have to sit in an office or anything like that. I go back and forth because I'm somebody who did not go to college after high school. 
I got my degree when I already had a wife and kid. And I think I was 28 when I started and I banged out four and a half years and got a bachelor's. And my mentality was, well, I'm going to school. It's because I need a degree to be able to work. I chose criminal justice, which I was passionate about it. And I am passionate about it, but I didn't understand the realities. Like I got a job working in corrections right out and I realized, no, I can't do this. I can't like, there's no changing it from this position. I'm just like, I was a house arrest monitor. I was just like a virtual prison guard. And all I did was send people back to jail. Like I was like a dad, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in the deferment programs and like re-entry and that kind of stuff. And so I quickly got out of it and kind of moved to education instead, which was a better fit. But my wife had an art degree, photography, and ended up getting a master's in education. Having children myself, I'm like, man, if, if my kid wants to go to school for an art degree, I might try to talk him out of it because it's, I mean, there is something to just having a degree nowadays because the job market's so tough. But I don't know. I'd be like, why don't you go to school for something else and then just take a bunch of art electives? Because that specialized degree is tough. Yeah. I almost view that for any degree anymore just because of what is actually required of the workplace. Uh, So my wife, uh, as an example, you know, she's got a master's degree and uh, just, I mean, the most impressive resume that I've personally seen that is like, you know, three days long, you know, and so many places are just like, they want the five years experience and they want you to do this and that, which uh, I think like spans the, um, a lot of degrees um, where it's like the workplace is not translated in like uh, the college education that you're getting, yeah. you know? So for me, it was just like, you know, you're going to learn about like the concept of art, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Heron at the time when I went was like very concept driven. So it was like, yeah, it was like a great place to just kind of like, you know, think about what art is and like what it could be and like all these different meanings and like these abstract forms and stuff, um, which like informed my thought process, but it did not prepare me for the real world of like uh, what it meant to be a working artist. Um, And it was something that I learned, I mean, in a sense, before I got to art school and definitely after. Um, And it was just basically the work ethic and like how hard I'm going to work for something, uh, no matter what it happens to be. So like before art school, you know, I was working full, full-time job before I, uh, went to Heron, which was probably what, five years after I graduated high school. Yeah, okay. And, um, yeah, like after graduating, it was just like, you know, like there was no fanfare. There was no like, you know, huge celebration and like, you know, things just like lining up to where I was going to be like super successful. It was just like, you're done. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. So it left me with like the same sets of questions uh, that I had after high school. But it was just like, well, I knew how to work. So I went and got a job and then I got more jobs and then I got fed up with that and then decided to apply for grad school. But like, I still didn't like know those. I didn't I didn't get the same lessons or I didn't get the lesson about like what it meant to be like a working artist. Yeah. I knew what it meant to work, but I didn't know what it meant to be a working artist. Um, being a working artist is very similar to like just kind of being 
a worker, you know, you mm-hmm. just show up and do it. Um, and you figure it out, you know, because most jobs you can like, without any sort of training, you can just jump into. And if you're given enough training, you can figure it out mm-hmm. um, or learn how to do it. I feel, you know, art jobs are basically the same way or being a working artist is the same way uh, to varying degrees of success. And like that measure of success, I think is what's very different for people um, reality, reality wise and just kind of like, you know, how they view it in their, you know, in their own heads. Yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody post uh, sharing some meme, but basically talking about how the job market today, how fucked up it is that a job will describe itself as an entry level position, then ask for three years of experience. Exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, why did I go to school if you're gonna like require me to have like all this experience already? Like, school was supposed to be that experience. I right. should be like at the top of your list to recruit because I have like the most up to date education regarding this field. But that right. is not the same. It doesn't translate that way in the real job world. Yeah. So, how did you? What made you decide? that school was the option and especially to pursue an art degree in that five years or like what was going on in high school in that five years after I'm guessing that's hip hop is involved in that area. Um, it was, but I mean like hip hop has been like a lifelong thing as like, you know, just a lover of the art form and the music and everything. Uh, but I didn't start rapping until like after college or that I was in like indie rock bands and like alternative music. So like, from high school up until when I started college, I was just playing in bands, uh, you know, smoking weed, uh, doing psychedelics, <laughs> hanging out, <laughs> you know, just kind of getting like life experiences down yeah. in Indianapolis. But like in that time of like kind of, you know, quote unquote, dicking off, like I met a whole bunch of people, you know, mm-hmm. like I know Mike Graves since before I even went to art school. So okay. like I met him shortly after I graduated. Um, but unbeknownst to me, like who he really was and like what he meant for like arts and music in Indianapolis, it was just like, oh yeah, man, like you're that DJ that I saw one time or like, I'm pretty sure I've seen like, you know, um, like your painting and stuff like that at some places, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like fully immersed in one scene or the other, uh, one because of where I live and two because of my age at the time, uh, shortly after I graduated, um, Indy was like a little, just like, it was weird. It was like, there were arts in, you know, um, like music and stuff like that, but you had to be a certain age to be able to get into certain venues. So like age wise, I was just like, they were like, you know, no, you can't be in here because you're not 21. And it was like a very strict thing. It feels like, uh, more recently it's like, become a lot more open for people who are not, you know, 21 years of age and can experience a lot of these uh, shows and like um, concerts and stuff like that, where before it was just like, dude, like we're going to what the purple underground or, you know, something like that. You You always got the Emerson. (laughs) Oh yeah. Right. The Emerson. (laughs) So like those two places, like, you know, those kind of hold special places for me just because age wise, those were like the only places that I could go um, kind of, to like seek out those things. But yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, I'm we're pretty close in age. I think what year did you graduate high school? 2001. Okay. I, I was 2000. So like we're yeah right in that same age group and you're right that like 
Indianapolis. It was basically like the broad ripple, the Butler college village area. That's where stuff was happening. And it was yeah. 421 and up as an adult. I sometimes forget how important it is for all ages places because I don't give a shit. Like I don't want to entertain 18 year olds and I don't think that they want to be entertained by me necessarily, but I forget how important that is to have a place for young people to go and be exposed to art and culture. It, it is, it's huge. Yeah. I, um, I don't know, man, a couple years ago, like I kind of like, I feel like maybe realized the importance of it and just like simply kind of maybe reaching out to some of the younger ones and just like, you know, trying to provide a little bit of like, I don't know, maybe you need to like vent or something like that, or just, uh, you know, a little bit of pointers, not to be like the old dude, just like telling you what to do, but just like, Hey man, like when I was doing this, these are the mistakes that I made kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is any help to you like at any time you can ask me questions about it and i'm like open to discuss it or whatever without any sort of like i don't know um sort of like either chip my shoulder or like ego about it like it's just because i don't think i mean what entertainers do you really know or how many entertainers do you know from indie of any art form or genre um that like really really made it you know so I feel like yeah. within that kind of like context, it's like, well, we're all trying to like raise up people or like more than just a couple people to like really knock it out of the park and like kind of put indie on the map. I feel like that's been a, a drumbeat for as long as I've kind of been in the scene or like kind of known about, you know, all the scenes. It's just like, yeah, man, we really want someone to just be like, you know, rep for indie on whatever. And it's come in some forms, but, um, you know, that real national stage, it just really hasn't kind of like gotten to that point. So for me, yeah, like I, there are, there are some artists that I know personally that I'm just like, dude, if there's anything that I can do, say, or like, you know, tweet out, whatever, like, I'm going to try and help you out because I do believe you have what it takes to be like, you know, heard nationally or, you know, seen nationally. Yeah. And I kind of like on this podcast, I've talked to mostly people that are from Indianapolis. Like I've talked to some other, you know, other places, but that's where I spent a decade. And even before that's where I was a lot. So I focus on it, but I think it's kind of quintessentially like a smaller American city in that way. I think our generation has probably done the best job of any of trying to uplift the arts in Indianapolis and push it out. Uh, the person I always think of though, about an artist from Indianapolis, not somebody I know personally at all and older than us though, is Mike Epps. Mike Epps has done yeah. a really good job of coming back to the community and trying to do, he was doing book signings at the, like the soul food place on college. And it's just cool. He, his sitcom that was on Netflix is based in Indianapolis. Yeah. Like he's done a good job of trying to throw back, but a lot of people, especially in comedy, they didn't really do comedy in Indianapolis. Like they're from there and they got famous and they talk about being from there, but they weren't like grinding it out in the city. They left before they ever started. So we're just now starting to see like Miss Pat has a show on BET plus. She still claims Atlanta though. Cause that's like where she's really from, from, but she, I mean, she cut her teeth really. Indianapolis was her, 
her thing. But I mean, we've always had, there's always been, a, you know, some rock bands. There's always been some, some MCs. There's always been comedians to come out of our city because we, Indianapolis does have an arts community. It's just sometimes like fucking pulling teeth to find yeah. it and keep it alive. I think that's like, yeah, one of the hardest things is just like keeping it alive and like up to date, relevant, and also unified. That's what I felt was like one of the harder things. Indianapolis is a, it's a peculiar place in that like, you know, if you want to start doing something in the arts, there's plenty of people that like invite you in, but there's also plenty of people that invited you in that still want to do like, you know, they want to be famous. So they're not necessarily the facilitators of opportunities or want to be the facilitators of opportunities because they feel like they're still trying to like, you know, get their name out there. So there's like, this kind of polarizing force within like this welcoming community, but also having the people in that community wanting to like themselves be like kind of the star of the show as well. Um, and when I was in Indy, um, I got that for a second, but like very quickly, I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be famous. You know, like if yeah. anything, give me the fortune. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be known necessarily um, like that. Um, but I would definitely want to like be the facilitator for someone to do that, you know? So when I was like trying to throw shows and stuff like that, that was my, I felt like contributions like, you know, uh, from the shows that I had been a part of, what did I see like was lacking? And it was a lot of like organization and like, you know, running things and making sure that they stayed on time and holding people accountable, which like you said, like, I mean, it was like pulling teeth, dude. Um, it was so hard for people to kind of really get that understanding. And again, like thanks to the white rabbit, cause I got to see how they ran their stage shows, yeah. how you and Andy ran your stage show. And it was like, that was very informative to me about like timing, pacing of things and just mm -hmm. making sure to keep the audience engaged, which not a lot of promoters or people who were throwing shows probably still even to this day, like really understand and like try and get like a really good stage show um that keeps people engaged versus just like i'm throwing a show there's the dj there's your acts and you know when they get on stage is whatever because we've got the place booked until i don't know 2 3 a.m yeah. and then also thinking about the people who are like helping you run the show your bar staff you know the owners and stuff like that instead of just thinking of them as like i guess you gave me this opportunity and i don't really owe you anything or um I don't really care how like some of my participants treat your establishment, like right. getting to see those behind the scenes type of things was very important as well. Um, and again, it informed like the way that I was trying to do things, uh, some success, some not success, you know, but it was still something that like um, informed how I do things and how I operate now, which I think is good. Yeah. I have some questions about hip hop because I'm not, really well versed on the inside and like the promotion and stuff. Um, because unfortunately a lot of my experiences, you know, working in live shows for all these years, I would be involved with some different hip hop shows, but I never dug the vibes because one, there was a very like money driven idea of it where like making money by doing a show was more important than what the show itself was. And then also like the like tough guy exteriors of a lot of the participants 
made it to where like it wasn't like a cool hang either because it was like <laughs> just a bunch of clicks trying to flex on each other and so it like when I would be a part of these, I'd be like, I don't even know why this is happening because no one seems to be having a good time. It's like everyone's agitated and on edge and all they're talking about is the monetary profit of what's going on. There doesn't seem to be a lot of artistic uh, effort going on here. But then when you were doing your shows and uh, the one guy you were, was it your cousin that you worked with? Yeah, Black Eddie. Yeah. Like when I would see some of your shows, I was like, okay, this like dials it back for me to like be more something I understand and get into. And I don't know like the terminology, if there's like a sub genre that you would label that's the type of the type of hip hop that you guys were promoting and into is there. Yes. And it's also like broken down by like the side of, like what sides of town people are coming from. Uh Um, I think, well, because some folks are going to be like into the old school. Some people are going to be into the trap. Some people are going to be into like battle rap type stuff. And um, I don't know. It was, I, I don't want to say weird. Weird is not the right word. It was, I mean, something that I probably equally participated in as like kind of a negative stereotype where I was like, you know, I'm from this type of hip hop and here's how we do things. And like, you know, this other shit over here, I'm not going to give any play to, um, which was the wrong you know, attitude to have because sure. it should have been more inclusive to um, to bring everybody on board to elevate the uh, the art form and you know everybody as a whole instead of ostracizing some folks because we didn't particularly like their brand of hip hop or how it was done. Um, if we all had you know kind of like a level of respect for one another and kind of a unified way of like you know here's how these shows should run. Um, it would probably eliminate a whole lot of like what you experience like as the negative. But I mean, within hip hop, obviously, I think um, you're going to have some people who just think that, you know, they're the shit and are going to like try and portray themselves as such. And like the tough guy, you know, braggadocious kind of shit is part of hip hop. But also to like that point is like humility can go a long way, man. Um <laughs> Like right. someone like bumps your shoulder or some shit like that. And like the first thing out of your mouth is like, man, watch your fucking self or like, you know, back the fuck up instead of just like, oh man, it's all right, whatever, you know, like, or excuse me kind of thing. Like yeah. it's <laughs> those, those small things can like, you know, have a huge impact on the way shows are run. Um, but to the money side of things, what I particularly saw um, shows that we weren't throwing or people were like so interested in money and we were throwing shows, it was like, well, what did you as the artist do to promote yourself? Right. Which was very, very difficult for people to understand. Uh, they figured if they were getting booked, that they were in high demand and like people were gonna like come out and see them, A, or um, that their name was big enough and that you were going to do all of that legwork um, and you owed them at the end of the night, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was a big thing as well. One of which, you know, um, I could only do so much promotion or we could only do so much promotion. And if you are as big as you are and you have your following, why would you not put our, um, our flyer and information weeks ahead of time that we provided for you on your page and blasted out to folks to get people through the door so you could get paid, you know? So there was a lot of that going on as well. Um, which was super interesting because yeah, at the end of the night, you know, of no one being at a show, people would come with their hands out, like, you know, 
it's time for them to get paid. And it's like, did you see people walk through those doors? <laughs> did you yourself? No. So like, not only am I coming out of my pocket, I'm still trying to put something in your pocket, whether that be $20 or like $5, you should be thankful for that because you didn't do much for yourself. Um, and that's just, you know, that's some negative experience that I've had. But there were times too, where people offered, uh, you know, their talents and were just like, I don't want anything back from this. This was like a dope show. And I'm glad I could be part of it. Yeah. And that's, from my perspective, like in small time show business, that's always the type of people you want to work with is where you talk about all the stuff about the show and the money doesn't really come up because everybody understands there's not a lot. And then at the end, if you're able to split it up, and I always use the term like everybody at the table eats, even if it's like just some scraps, we're going to share a can of beans. You know what I mean? Like you're, I'm going to give you a few bucks. And then there people are appreciative of that whenever money's the first question when you're like booking somebody it's always like a bit of a red flag unless they got to travel and they're just like i got to put my foot down i can't be losing money on you know doing stuff if you can give me gas money whatever that's all cool that's all good other promoters though that you've worked with i'm assuming it, it still exists as well like i know that like metal shows do it a lot and i know uh a lot of times like the the black comedy scene does it where it's like you go sell these tickets. You're part of this show, but you have to sell these this many tickets to be on the show, and then you owe me per, this percentage of the tickets you sell. And, I mean, it definitely motivates the artist, but holy shit, it becomes a weird dynamic where the promoter then is making money off of your hustle. Yeah. That is a very old school Emerson thing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I yeah. remember that from Emerson days. Um, but I, I understand it as well. It's just like, well, if I can't get you to do this without giving you these tickets to say that this is how you're going to get paid, then, you know, like, what else are they to do? Um, but it does kind of, it makes for a very weird dynamic. And it does, in my experience, from what I've seen, um, a lot of the shadier promoters seem to be doing that. Right. Um, and not to say that, you know, like all promoters who are doing this are shady, but um, in my experience, it's been that, you know, we're giving you these tickets and we're asking you to do all this fucking work, but you one had to pay to get on the show. And then two, you have to sell these tickets, which you are going to get a percentage of back, yeah. you know, um, which isn't always the best either. But again, I don't know necessarily what the best course of action is. Well, my cousin and I were doing it. Um, after kind of um, consulting with Andy and Deborah from the White Rabbit, you know, they let me see kind of like their contracts and how they um, talk, discuss money with promoters yeah. and people who want to throw shows. And I was like, cool, like I can borrow that language and like make it my own. That way I can give people something be like, here is what the contract is. You understand what a contract is. Now read all the terms and conditions. And if you don't follow through with that, there you go. You've got like in writing what you've signed and your expectation. And that again, worked um, with moderate success, but it was still something that people were so, they were so ingrained to do stuff a bad way that it was hard for them yeah. to kind of like see how much better like this way could be mm -hmm. and kind of like eliminate a lot of the um, unknown expectations. Like, Oh my God, how much am I going to get paid tonight? Well, it's like, it's, we're going to give you a percentage. So by the people who are coming through the door at this much per head, 
you know, percentage. That's what you're getting this percentage for. So it's in your best interest to like promote yourself, promote the venue, yep. the time, when you're going on, who else is with you, like as much as humanly possible. And that for some people was too much work, or maybe they had ego big enough that was like, oh man, I'm not going to do that. And then at the end of the night, it's like, well, here are your results and here's the percentage. Yeah. It's always tough. There's always this uh, confusion between like promoters and venues and artists where each party thinks the other one is going to be bringing the audience. Yeah. <laughs> like the artist is like, oh, there'll be people there and I'm going to blow them away. Yeah. And then the venue is like, you guys are bringing people, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> we Which need I people to come by. Venues side, it's like, yeah, we're not necessarily promoting this um, as hard as you should be because we are just a facilitator. Yeah. You know, we uh, don't have the space enough, but we do. So we're renting this out to you. It's not that we're doing all this extra shit for you. Like, and if, yeah. if that was your expectation, did you get it in a contract? <laughs> exactly. And I, I like percentage deals personally, because then I feel like all parties involved are invested and we're yeah. all trying to achieve the same goal. And we all see benefits and we all see failures together, but we went into it together. And that's so much different than, a lot of venues, you make you rent the place, then they take a percentage of your sales. And, you know, they're trying to keep their lights on, you know, whatever. Like, we understand why people make these choices, but it, it does not create the same collaborative enterprise at all. It's just like, yeah, if you do well, I make money. And if you do bad, I still made money. Mm -hmm. It's business, you know, sure. But I prefer to work the other way. I like the integrity and the passion for the arts. And as much as we do that and we fight tooth and nail to make that try to work, then you see people doing it the other way, achieving more success. And you're like, well, fuck me. Maybe integrity <laughs> isn't worth very much. I mean, there is that too, but I mean, for those people who are successful, um, I don't know, look around for how many people are doing it who are like, you know, probably in the same boat as us who aren't necessarily as successful. And I think that becomes kind of like a better litmus test about kind of like the success and failure, um, which you can see, I think, in celebrity status too, you know, yeah. like how many famous people do you know versus how many just like everyday people do you know? And it's like, there's much more of like the regular, regular everyday people than there are like famous celebrities, but who gets the most attention? Right. So it's like a squeaky wheel. <laughs> right. So I'm interested to know about your motivations because when you went to school, you were, I mean, you were still young, but you're like, you weren't like fresh out of high school. And then when you started promoting shows and stuff, you were even older. So I'm wondering how grounded your expectations were like, I don't know anything about ceramics, but surely when you're you're studying this, you're not thinking, man, once I get out of here, I'm going, these fucking bowls are going to be in museums and people are going to know my name, you know? That has to be more of a passionate pursuit, right? That's kind of what they set you up for, though, um, or at least out of here and with like a yeah. concept-driven kind of art school. It's like they are trying to prepare people for like museum 
type status okay. or, um, you know, gallery type status versus kind of like more craft maker who is selling their things at craft shows or online or, mm-hmm. you know, to stores and stuff like that. There was, yeah, there wasn't much of a, you're going to be doing this for like, kind of like a grind for money. It's going to be that you're doing this for like artistic pursuits, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't know, both college and like my music experience, um, I don't want to say this, sort of like the the, ex- the expectations and realities of um, were, I don't want to say this, they were, um, the expectations were short-lived. The reality okay. is very much longer. <laughs> yeah but like even when i was like playing in indie bands and stuff like that my initial thought was like man i'm gonna like you know be doing this and be playing and like you know tour buses and stuff like that mm-hmm. because of what i saw like coming off a of tv and stuff sure. like that you know at the time like uh mtv cribs was huge and like uh fucking vh1 behind the music type yeah. stuff and like yeah. just kind of getting the history of like you know these rock bands and what they were doing it seemed like you know kind of like everyday schmucks just kind of like fell into like rock god status sometimes or a lot of times and the same with artists but it's not the reality again for like the majority of people you know some people are incredibly talented and should be getting the shine and do get the shine uh some people who are incredibly talented that you never ever hear of period and then some jack-offs um who shouldn't you know be famous like are totally famous and it's just like within that uh, I think you can start to find like your own like grounding um, and so for me it was just like kind of seeing what it meant to be like quote-unquote famous I was like eh, I don't want any part of that you know it seems yeah. like way more work and not the type of work that I'm interested in um, it seems to leave the creativity out and makes you kind of like be a caricature of whoever you might have been or like are just kind of told to be uh, versus kind of like focusing more on the art of things. So for me, it's just like, if I can, well, I mean, I can now, I can turn around and look at, you know, like 20 years of stuff that I've done and just been like, I've been on the, like, you know, the artist path for this long. Why would I ever get off uh, success or not? Because it's something obviously that like, I'm going to continue doing no matter what. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where it comes from, um, but it is a drive of mine. Like no matter what I'm doing, I want to, I want it to be creative and I want it to make the most sense for me personally. Um, and whether that makes me a whole bunch of money or not, um, if I can just be okay doing it, then I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah. So when did things kind of click for you? Because I don't know if you see it that way from my perspective, I feel like, and maybe I'm off here and you can correct me, but I feel like when, when I met you, like you, you hadn't met your wife yet. You, I don't think that you had like a full gig with ceramics at the time. And you seem like a little frustrated. You seem like you were like in a mental space where you were like a little uh, un, unhappy with the current circumstances. But then within a few years, it looks to me, like things kind of started falling in line for you and you are kind of living more the lifestyle that you want to be living and creating art and just happier in general. Is that an accurate uh, observation? 
Yeah, uh, because uh, she, when you met me, it was like I had just gotten back from San Diego and like kind of got my ass kicked by San Diego uh, <laughs> because of my expectations and the reality. So my expectation was I was going to go to San Diego. I was going to do my MFA. I was going to kick ass. I was going to come out. I was either going to be like, you know, quote unquote, a famous artist or I was like, you know, going to be teaching at a, a collegiate level. Within months, man, of being there, I was like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> this is not the reality that I thought I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, a lot of it was from um, what was going on at the school. There was like a lot of infighting between professors. The dean had just died. The funding for uh, some um, of the uh, departments was just super lacking. And then the workload, your workload expectation was like fucking crazy. And then just the, the education that I was like supposed to be getting, I was like, I don't, I don't need to pay for this. You know, this is a crazy amount of money for me to basically just kind of come out and live in California um, and say that I'm like doing this master work, right. you know, um, yeah. in, this, in this collegiate setting, which was, I don't know, it was a bit masturbatory, you know, it was just like kind of like kind of getting high after your own supply, you know, um, where people are telling you you're great and you're thinking you're great because people are telling you you're great, but you're paying them to tell you that you're great, you know, <laughs> or that you're going to do great things. And yeah, dude, if, if enough happens, I guess in a situation, you can kind of like smell through the bullshit. And I feel like that's what happened for me. Um, and it came down to money. I looked around and realized that, you know, like a lot of my own peers were in financial situations that were way different than mine. You know, I took out student loans and it wasn't a like obscene amount, but if I had continued going, it would have been like just a little bit past the national average. And I was kind of coming into that reality and looking at that and the expectation of like how much money I was going to be making from any job that I got through ceramics. It was like, I could have just kept working and like stayed being poor. Like I didn't have to like try and make myself poorer by going to school, you know, right. right. Uh, and the promise that I was going to get a job that, you know, the national average of like getting a master's would have made me like what, 65, maybe $70,000, but not in ceramics. Like, you right. know, like, <laughs> right. Right. like what am I going to be doing in ceramics that I'm making that much money outside of being like, you know, quote unquote famous artists. So it was just like, Oh shit. You know, like, that kind of um, reality or alarm bell went off fairly early. So ditched that plan, came back home. And it was like, well, again, you know, just like after graduation, there's no fanfare. There's no like, oh my God, surprise, you're home. And like, we're so welcoming. And here are all these opportunities to make you like the most successful you can be. It was like, what are you going to do? I was like, fuck. The one thing I know how to do is like go out and get a job, multiple jobs. So like by that point in time, I had like three or four jobs. Um, I was getting sick of that and was just like, all right, you know, something needs to change. And I know that I have skill sets and talents enough to go do things that are more in line with what I enjoy and can get me a lot less stressed um, and still be like the same amount of poor and happy, you know, yeah. um, or, you know, hopefully try and make a little bit more money and be like a little bit more successful and happy. And so far it's balanced out that like, I'm roughly the same amount of poor, but I'm a little bit happier because I'm doing more of what is in line with what I enjoy doing. Yeah. And, and you took the same path as me where you've hitched up to a woman who has a better job than you. So yeah, you for sure. Like, 
I'll say that all day, man. She's like <laughs> more talented than I am. <laughs> Her skill sets like transcend mine like a thousandfold. <laughs> yeah. So are are you happy now? All right now? Or are you? Uh, I'm happier. I mean, there's still things within my job that like utterly piss me off, and it's basically because it's still um, almost in a service capacity yeah. instead of just like you know let's all make art and be like, you know, just happy individuals and like carefree about everything. Um, I work in a studio that is like predominantly white women, older white women, mm-hmm. and everything that comes along with that as a black man and being the only black man down there um, in Western Massachusetts, where like the population <laughs> of like black and brown people is even lower. Yeah. Um, so there's like that, but, it's still doing something that I have like more of an interest in doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I find more things uh, that make me happy about it than I say probably don't. And I'm learning um, more than probably I would have uh, throughout any time in a master's program. But then I'm also like a, of a different mindset than I was, you know, when I was younger. So like I'm more open to learning things instead of kind of like running around and trying to be like, I guess, the, the best you know and right. like yeah that yeah are you do you have aspirations like have you in the past had or in the future going to have like an etsy store or something like that i've got my own personal website which i sell stuff off of etsy i'm still like coming around to i know yeah. i could probably probably make like way more money over there but mm-hmm. The garbage that I see over there is something <laughs> that uh, I cannot get over just yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, like, I've shot myself in the foot by saying this. And I've said it on, like, another, like, stu- uh, Potter's podcast once before about it. It's just, man, when you go on to Etsy and you type in, like, handmade ceramics, before you find anything that you probably even want to buy, there's just so much garbage, dude. It's, yeah. it's like how people are just like, I'm a rapper. It's like, oh. I'm sure you are, <laughs> you know, God bless your heart. I'm sure you are. Yeah. And there's no way to sift through that. Like it just, because that's what Etsy is. So it's like anyone can put their shit up and yeah. you, you're going to have to invest some time. I have no experience with it. I know some people that have stores that do really well, uh, but I don't know how people find them. I guess you just really want this type of thing and you shop until you find it which is not think, my mentality. I go to Amazon and buy the cheapest thing and go for yeah. it. <laughs> I think these days, if people, individuals can have a strong marketing campaign, um, it doesn't matter where they put their stuff for sale because they're going to have a strong enough uh, marketing campaign that people are going to be like, well, it'll reach the people who in turn, like go directly to where they, I guess, you know, want to see that individual stuff or hear that person's music. Um, but yeah, it's, just to go on Etsy and look for stuff is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Are you doing any music now? I haven't in a while. Um, I've kind of been like tinkering around, like, you know, kind of like with guitar and like maybe like indie type music again. Yeah. Um, only to a certain capacity. Cause like my computer is like way out of date. I don't really have like, you know, recording software like that. So it's just like, I don't know. It's a little bit more of this individualized thing. I'm not thinking about like really releasing any music. It's just more for like, how, what do I want to hear from myself? Like, how do I want to like, I guess, test my growth or just like, you know, the things that I can learn or have learned over the years or how I want to express myself in any capacity in music. And so far it's been 
you know, it's something that I've kind of put on uh, hold or mute for a little minute. Yeah. The thing that's nice about physical art and music, and it's things I'm jealous of because I have no talent in either area, is it's something that you can do and the audience isn't necessary. Yeah. And that is, I wish I had that. I wish I had some sort of artistic outlet that didn't involve other people having to experience it for me to get the value. I do enjoy the creation. Like I enjoy this conversation immensely. Uh, and I guess I could just delete this when it was over and I'd still feel good about the time we spent and the talking, but it's not how I'm trained, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, like, I, I need then other people to watch it and be like, oh yeah, cool. That was I think that for me is what's nice about being able to kind of like bounce between different genres for myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, yeah, sometimes I feel like being more social, maybe I want to be in a band or like, yeah, I still want to do music, but I don't want to fuck with anybody else. So like, I'm just going to do this hip hop stuff by myself. Yeah. Um, and ceramics can also be the same way. Um, I can get into a studio mode where I'm just like, I don't want to be around anyone and just kind of like, you know, carve out space enough just for myself. Or I'm not surrounded by anyone else. No one's going to ask me questions. I don't have anybody else's input. Or I maybe want to be more part of a, the community as a whole to like get inspiration from or bounce ideas off of, stuff like that. Um, which, yeah, is nice. And I think, I don't know, it can be like that for several mediums. I think for yours in particular, it can uh, maybe be a little bit weird if, you know, well, maybe not even weird, but it has to be almost like be like a different format. Um to have maybe like, you know, kind of like a, a monologue of sorts, which is yeah. a whole other thing is um, versus kind of like a conversation with someone else. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, yeah, there's like, I feel like there's a huge amount of flexibility uh, whether I want to participate with others or not. And I feel good in that um, just because, yeah, sometimes, like I said, sometimes it feel like it, sometimes it don't. Yeah, for sure. Plug your website before we wrap up here. Uh, Halffullceramics.com is the ceramic stuff. And you can find me on uh, Bandcamp under Scoop Dubs, S-C-O-O-T-D-U-B-B-S. Awesome. Uh, is there anything that you feel like we missed? Anything you want to say before we wrap this? Um, Indianapolis killed the electronic music scene in the early 2000s. <laughs> Fuck us up for real. We lost a huge... Uh, a huge platform of music early on that wasn't really able to develop <laughs> yeah right on man well justin thanks a lot for sitting down man hey thanks for having me cheers <laughs>